Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Welcome to the Uproom Podcast. We are so excited that you've chosen to listen today. In this episode, we're hearing from Pastor McLaughlin as he teaches about the greater truth. Do not believe the lies of the enemy. The enemy seeks to kill and to steal and to destroy. Always look to the greater truth. Hope this episode encourages you today. Genesis chapter 50, we'll begin with verse 15. Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all of the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus shall you say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and they fell down before his face and they said, behold, we're your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? What he's saying is I'm not here to judge you. Verse 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about this day to save many people alive. Amen. I want to I want to teach I want to teach tonight from from this subject or from this thought the greater truth. The greater truth. Amen. Let's pray together before you're seated. so much for standing. You may be seated. Joseph did not romanticize the wrong that his brothers did against him. He didn't try to deny it. He didn't downplay it. He identified it and he recognized the wrong that his brothers had done. In fact, he plainly said to them, you meant evil against me. And although this was true, it was not the greatest truth. The greatest truth in the story was that God meant it for good. And if we're not careful, we will focus on the lesser truth 
that people will have evil intent against us. That will happen. You will be persecuted. You will be hated. You will be isolated. You will be judged. You will be criticized. You will be misunderstood. But we need to remember and we must hold on to the fact that that is not the greatest truth. The greatest truth is that God meant it for good. And God can take a very negative situation and he can turn it around for something highly positive and something powerful. So there is a greater truth. Whatever you're going through, there's always a greater truth that God can draw out of that. Every Christian should be able to see and identify the overarching and the overruling hand of God in their life. No matter what evil man brings against you and against me, God can always use it for good. We have not prayed and fasted enough if we have not and we do not see God's overarching, overruling hand in everything that we're going through. I don't care how evil it gets. It doesn't matter how much pain you and I are enduring. It doesn't matter how we feel mistreated in life. There's always this overarching, overruling hand of God that though they intend it for evil, God can turn it around for something very, very good. It's, it's a greater truth. It's just the greater truth about it. Joseph did not have the text of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, but he did have the truth of Romans 8, 28. He did not have a New Testament to look at and to say and to quote and to encourage a congregation. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. While he did not have that text, he certainly did have that truth. And somewhere when his coat is stolen from him, there was still that truth inside of him that says somehow I know that even though things are being stripped away from me, God can take this and it can work together for good as long as I love him and as long as I stay in his will. Amen. Amen. Sadly, many of us who have this text do not have this truth. It's not enough to just read Romans chapter 8 verse 28 as a text. Somewhere that truth has to get a hold of our heart. Amen. And until you get on post-storm, pre-storm, present storm, you may not understand that truth. But when you get on the other side of the storm and God's multiplying fish and God's multiplying loaves and you look back and you say, ah, oh, there's a greater truth. That wind meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I didn't see it pre-trial. I didn't even really see it present trial. But when I got on the other side of the trial, I recognize there's a greater truth and I just want to encourage. I've come here as your pastor to give you encouragement tonight. I feel like some of you have come with uh, uh, evil coming against you, literal hell breaking loose against you. And you just need a word of encouragement that there's a greater truth in your life and God is going to turn that thing around and it's working for you, not against you. Can somebody give him praise tonight? 
There's a greater truth than what you're going through. Don't believe that fabricated lie of the devil. Don't you dare believe that he's going to have the last word. Don't you dare believe it's going to end up bad, negative, destructive. Uh-uh. God is on your side. He's working it out on the other side of nothing. Job said, I went to my left and to my right and I couldn't see him. I saw nothing. But then he said, God was on the other side of my nothing. I want to tell somebody right now, there's a greater truth that when you can't see him, when you go to the left and to the right, when you go back and you go forward and he is not there, there's still a greater truth that he's above you. And so many times we're looking to the left, the right, back, front. We need to lift up our heads for our redemption. Draw it nigh. There's a greater truth involved in your life. Yes, there is. <laughs> and we understand that in the life of Joseph, that greater truth, he said, was to save many people alive. So if that was the intent and the purpose of God, then nothing or no one could stop Joseph. And it would be through the hands of evil men and destructive measures that God would actually bring about his divine purpose and his divine plan. And so even if evil hands and fabricated lies and misunderstandings touch you, that doesn't mean they're going to stop you. And as long as God's hand is on your life and God has an intended plan and purpose for you, it really doesn't matter who touches you. God can even take the hands of Pharaoh and allow him to push you toward the Red Sea. And God can send a wind and cause that Red Sea to part. And you, cross, uh, you, you make your crossing because there's purpose on the other side of the Red Sea. <clears throat> Often inner battles, losses, unfair treatment, being falsely accused, hatefully persecuted, mistreated, lied about, can be so absolutely exhausting that all energy is drained from you and the true purpose of your life can be robbed because you're wiped out, you're burned out, you're tired, you're exhausted. And though you know there's a purpose to save many people, you are physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally exhausted and feel like you cannot take another step. Can I say to someone that it's critically important that you remember not to allow the inside battles to keep you from your outside work? Satan can, if you let him, Use one word to make you feel like the whole world is against you and you are a failure. Please hear me. I feel like I'm talking directly to somebody here tonight. In fact, what I really wanted to do is take a big 45, 45 uh, pound plate and, and I wanted to put it on somebody's back and make them walk at this altar the whole time that I was teaching and you watch as they begin to walk with that 45 pound plate on their back it's okay the first the first couple of minutes but you get 30 minutes into that walk 
and then you get 40 minutes into that walk. And I'm not teaching after 40 minutes, but if you just had them keep walking and keep walking, I could see that fear coming on you. And, you, and, and it's like, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, oh my Lord. You know, let's cut it down to 10 pound plate, not 45 pound plate. And, uh, and so you see them walking back and forth. And initially that 45 pound plate doesn't do a whole lot. But after a period of time, when you let it rest on your back or worse yet, when you let it lodge in your mind and that's all you hear is that one word and all of a sudden you feel like that's exactly who you are. You take up identity with that one word and it's like you're carrying it. It's weighing you down, weighing you down weighing you down, weighing you down, all of a sudden Satan has taken advantage of it, made you feel like the whole world is against you, and you are a big failure. From Sunday fire to Monday depression, feeling like an exhausted failure was at the root of Elijah's battle. Rest is not a luxury, ladies and gentlemen. Rest is a necessity. Exhaustion produces stress distortions and normal life gets exaggerated to an abnormal level and our imagination draws terrible conclusions when we are sleep deprived, when we have not given this, this body, this temple of the Holy Ghost, it's proper necessary rest, both physically and spiritually. Elijah first needed to go to sleep and the Bible says that he went underneath a juniper tree and there he fell asleep. Second, there was a divine touch from the angel of God. Third, the angel was so super spiritual that he said to Elijah, get something to eat, Elijah. In fact, eating and hydrating the physical body was so important to this angel that the angel provided food and the angel provided water because the work that this prophet had to do for the kingdom was not finished and he was facing burnout. The angel had a strategy for his burnout and he was trying to implement this strategy into his life. Fourth, after he ate, the angel made sure that there was a margin for proper rest in his life. So he sent Elijah and Elijah went back to sleep again. The angel touched him again and he said, now I want you to eat just a little bit more because the journey is too great for you and you need all the nutrition you can get. I think God wants some of us to be smart about the way we feed the body that is supposed to perform his work. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. You would not run your car, you would not run your car low on oil. If you run your car low on oil, you're not gonna go very far. You would not run your car, um, the tires being deflated, or you wouldn't go very far. You're not gonna run your car on empty all the time, or you're not gonna go very far. You're gonna make sure that oil is in that motor so that there's long lasting life of the vehicle. Now they've got it so that an indicator goes off and says you need to take your vehicle in. You're low on oil. Why? Because they recognize if we can see some red flags, if we can let you know before there are major problems. This is what that angel was trying to do in the life of Elijah. I see you doing the work of the ministry, but Bubba, you're about to burn out and you need to go get some rest and you need to get some good nutritious food in your body and you need to make sure that you're hydrating. You're yes, I'm telling you that you will, be, you will be spiritually distorted if you are physically exhausted. You gotta make up your mind if God is that 
interested in giving you that physical rest. He's also interested in spiritual rest. And that's why he pours out the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you stop to fill that car up with gas, you better stop at church and fill your soul up with the Holy Ghost. You can't skip church, you can't miss church, you can't bypass the gas station and keep that vehicle running. We need to get to the house of God and we need to fill up. We need the Holy Ghost to come in and give us the strength that we need. None of us are superheroes. We will burn out. We will become so exhausted. We, we will have so many stress distortions. We will not even be able to think cognitively to make a right decision. And then we'll make a terrible decision and step outside of the will of God. And it'll take us 15 years to get back into the will of God. God, help us in this place. There is a greater truth that's working in your life. Just feed yourself with the Holy Ghost. Feed yourself with the word of God. And the angel touched him. And he said, hey, you're going to be able to go the next 40 days on this strength. <laughs> this resting period. This resting period gave him the strength to go on for 40 days. Elijah then goes into a cave. And he has a talk with God. Prior to this time of rest, he may not have even been in the right shape to hear the voice of God because of stress distortions. God can speak to us clearly, but if we have not taken care of this physical man, if we have not taken care of this emotional man, if we have not taken care of this mental man and more importantly the spiritual man then the stress and the weariness and the exhaustion and everything else that we go through in life will cause distortions so that when God speaks and the way we interpret what we think God is saying, we misinterpret even the voice of God. And we lock into something that we're calling the voice of God that really wasn't the voice of God, but it just seemed like it was because it was getting us quick relief out of what we're going through. Listen. Just because they are perpetrating evil against you and they are slandering you and there's gossip going on doesn't mean that that is going to have the final say. There is a greater truth. Don't seek relief. Seek conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't conform to him and you pull out prematurely, there will be a deformity in you and God will have to take you right back to that same trial again. Better to park yourself in the house of God. Better to park yourself in the presence of God. If you've got to get under that juniper tree and take a nap, take a nap. But when you get up again, make sure you've got an angel there. Make sure you've got the supernatural presence there. Make sure that you've got the word. Notice what's going on. Interestingly enough, Elijah needed rest and he needed a word from God to revive his prophetic ministry so that he could finish his course. Needed rest and a needed word from God will take you to the next 40 days. That's what that angel said to him. He said, get some sleep, man. Don't feel bad about sleeping. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. You know what we do. Oh, no. 
we feel bad about getting rest. Feel bad about letting this physical body rest. Somehow we put a crown on burnout. Somehow we put a crown on if you're not just running full speed all the time, you're not getting anything accomplished. And so he needed rest and a word from God. Notice how the story unfolds in 1 Kings 19, beginning with verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not my life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. He's talking about the prophets of Baal. He said, You kill them, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose, and what did he do? He ran. He took off running. He said, I can't take it anymore. He came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and he left a servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into where? Wilderness. Notice what's going on with this burned out, exhausted individual. He's running for his life and he's escaping to the wilderness where no one else is. I just want to be alone. Just everybody leave me alone. Just let me get by myself here. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Just, just let me escape everything. And he came and he sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he what? Mm -hmm. He might do what? Die. Who is this? What was happening in 1 Kings chapter 18? He's on the mountain. He's on the mountain. He's calling fire down from heaven. How in the world do you have fire falling on Sunday and depression wanting to die on Monday? The prophet did. The prophet did. He said, it's enough. Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and he slept under a juniper tree, see, there's a greater truth. There's a greater truth in all this. As he lay and he slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and then he laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him. Notice what's going on here. The angel doesn't wake him up in the middle of his sleep and rebuke him for sleeping and rebuke him for getting rest. The angel left him alone. The angel recognized the man needs some rest right now. And, and the angel thought so much so about this rest that he's feeding him physically and he's giving him water to drink. And then the angel then begins to counsel with him. And he says to him, came to him the second time and he touched him and he said, arise and eat another meal because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and he did eat and drink and he went in the strength of that meat. How long? And how many nights? Under Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. It was true that Jezebel meant it for evil, but that was not the greater truth. The greater truth is that God meant it for good, and God had a ministry beyond burnout. Without Jezebel's negativity, without Jezebel's anger, without Jezebel's destructive behavior, there would be no angel food cake. There would be no cruise of water at his head. 
And I recognize that the man perhaps may have been dehydrated and the angel was ministering to him. And I understand that he needed to physically hydrate. But let's just talk about that for a minute. Could it also be, just as a type and just, just for imagination's sake, could it also be that the angel put that water right by his head because he wanted Jezebel's word washed out of his head? He said, you know, it's kind of like that 45-pound plate just stuck in your brain, and you need to wash that thing out. So I'm going to put some water right by your head because you got some stinking thinking going on right now. And I need you to take that water, and I need you just to wash some things out of your head. You know why people backslide? Because they never wash their mind with the water of the Word. You know why people stay in a spirit of discouragement? Because they never wash out of their mind what needs to be washed out of their mind. You and I can carry some things inside of our own mind that will weigh us down, discourage us, depress us, and keep us just never feeling like we can overcome. Maybe the angel of God, maybe God is saying, I am that living water, and I want to come into your mind, and I want to wash out every negative word. I want to wash out every negative spirit. I want to wash out that old Jezebel spirit that said, you're not going to make it. You're a failure. You're never going to become anything in your life. Why don't we get the water of God's word and wash that negative spirit out? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, mom and dad. Maybe your child is not here right now. And the devil has worked on your mind saying you're a failure as a parent. You need to rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to let God wash that out of your mind. Don't let that one negative word. Yeah, I know we let it get in our mind and we think we haven't accomplished anything and we're not doing anything good. That is not true, ladies and gentlemen. We need to open up our eyes and recognize there's a greater truth. And though the enemy may mean it for evil, God turns it around for something very good and very powerful. Yes, can we clap our hands to the Lord? Oh God, there's a greater truth in all of it. There's a greater truth in all of it, Lord. Without Jezebel's intended evil, there wouldn't have been angel food cake and no cruise of water and no strength for 40 days and no new team anointing that would expand the kingdom. If Elijah, a prophet of God, could undergo discouragement, exhaustion, deep grief, major deep grief, to the point of crying out, enough! Ever, ever been there? She can't, it's enough. No more. Can't take anymore. It's enough. Here's Elijah. Chapter before, man, fire's falling underneath his ministry. Powerful work. Now all of a sudden, he's under this juniper tree and he's burned out. He's saying, no more, enough, enough. I can't take it anymore. Notice what he says, I am no better than my father's. This is what he says. In other words, I feel like a failure right now. Take away my life. Listen, if the prophet Elijah can go through that kind of depression and that kind of stress, then we will have seasons where we will forget all of the good that has happened in our life. 
And we will focus on one or two negatives. And then the devil will get in as the author of confusion and the father of lies and exaggerate them in our mind. And we will want to isolate ourselves in a cave and never come out of the cave again and say, man, if my dad succeeded like that, if, my, if, if the people that came before us succeeded like that, I am a failure if I can't even do what they did. And God was saying, hold on, Elijah. I'm allowing this lesser truth to get you to a greater truth. Don't quit right now. Don't get bitter right now. Don't get angry right now. I'm trying to help somebody in this place. Before you allow your emotions to run you off the railing, you got to stay in there and know that there's a greater truth. And if you and I can just anchor ourselves, amen, don't let that one thought, don't let Satan put that one thought in your mind to make you feel like such a failure. Just got to get up again. And if all you do is just get here and stand, then get here and stand. And that is victory alone and in itself. Oh, somebody help me right now. I understand some of you, it was hard for you to get to the house of God tonight. I know your physical exhaustion. I know the spiritual battle you're going through. And just the fact that you got here physically, you need to say, thank you, God. I am not a failure. I refuse to listen to that lie. I refuse to let that be planted in my spirit. Can we give God praise tonight? Can we love him together? It's the greater truth of God using the negative and the evil for his good purpose. When Jesus fasted 40 days, he underwent a season of Satan trying to make him doubt his identity. So he questioned him, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are who you say you are, doubt your identity, doubt your calling, doubt your giftedness, doubt all of it. Please hear me. We're in the middle of 20 days, not 40 days, but 20 days of purpose. Fasting and spiritual warfare go hand in hand. I promise you, if you were not having mind battles before 20 days of purpose, and if you have taken this 20 days of purpose seriously, I promise you in the middle of it, you're having some mind battles right now. I know you are. I know that that will happen. If it happened to Elijah when he went under the juniper tree, if it happened to Jesus when he was in the middle of 40 days of fasting, then you and I are not more spiritual than Jesus Christ. We are not exempt from doubting who we are. Amen. But God has a greater truth than all of it. And he has a greater truth to prove that through the wilderness of temptation, through the wilderness of questioning who you are, God solidifies who you are with a fresh anointing when you come through the wilderness. And I just feel like you're in the middle of this purpose. And I feel like God is taking you through a wilderness. Someone said, well, I thought that fasting was supposed to get me out. No, fasting, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. If you find yourself in the wilderness, 
it may be a divine work of the Spirit because there's a greater truth that you only learn through the wilderness experience. So it's the wilderness. Things get wilder in the wilderness. It's like, man, pastor, this 20 days of purpose stuff doesn't work. Life's getting worse right now. Fasting and spiritual warfare go hand in hand. One of Satan's great weapons is to make you doubt your calling, to make you doubt your anointing, and to make you believe that you do not matter. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands right now, but if I did, I think we would probably all be astounded at how many in this building right now would say, Pastor, I've been going through a season of feeling like I'm not making a difference and I don't even matter. Let me just give you a few words of encouragement. Somebody is depending on your ministry. Stay in there. Somebody's depending on your prayer. Stay in there. Somebody's depending on your song. Stay in there. Somebody's depending on your word of encouragement. Stay in there. Somebody's just depending on you just being there. So just be there. If that's all you can do, having all to stand, stand. Yes, you matter. Yes, you count. You are not a failure. Go ahead and write another song in the middle of the wilderness. Go ahead and sing like you've never sang before. He said, well, people, I don't know if I should come to church or not. People don't even recognize if I'm there or not. Yes, we recognize whether you're here or not. And you matter and you count. And we love it when you're here. And we are thankful when you are here. So please, whatever, don't ever let that one little word of negativity from that spirit of Jezebel, who means without cohabitation. Of course that spirit of Jezebel doesn't want you in the house of God. Of course she wants you isolated. Of course she wants you running. Of course she wants you in a cave. Of course she wants you depressed. Of course she wants to kill you tomorrow. But you're not going to die tomorrow because there is a greater truth. And that greater truth is though they mean it for evil, God intends it for good. Oh, can we love him together? Did I tell you you're not a failure and that's a lie from the devil? Oh, let me tell you, you're not a failure and that is a lie from the pit of hell. You matter. Your gift matters. Your call matters. Your anointing matters. You just being here matters. Church, we're better together. Yes. Elijah felt like a failure. Satan is tempting Jesus to question his ministry effectiveness. Joseph's dream was hidden in a pit and locked away in a dungeon. Yea, even the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, 23, for I am hard pressed between two, having a desire to depart. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm just ready to go. That's what he said. I'm just, I'm, I'm caught betwixt two is the way the KGV said it. I have this desire to depart. 
to be with Christ, which by the way, is far better, far better. He said, but it's needful for you that I stay in the flesh. Yeah. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Why? Because even at Paul's lowest point when he's ready to depart, just them seeing him there gave encouragement. I'm telling you that voice can come into your mind and tell you you're not making a difference. It doesn't matter whether you're there or not. That is so far from the truth. It's just like Paul. Man, when you walk through the doors, people, they're encouraged just by your presence. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Am I the only one feeling all this stuff? Am I, am I, am I talking to somebody here? We're better together. Don't get isolated. Don't run. Don't get isolated. Get your physical body some rest so that you're not distorted in your thinking. Get back into the Bible and don't read it out of a, a mechanical, robotic method. Get into that word. And if all you do is read one or two verses in one day, but that word is speaking to you and it's like angel's food and it's ministering to you and things are being washed out of your mind, then stay in that word and stay in that place of prayer until things that have been lodged for years in your mind are pushed out. There's a greater truth. There's a greater truth. Yeah. Elijah feeling like a failure, Satan tempting Jesus to question his personal identity and effectiveness. Joseph's dream, hidden in a pit, locked away in a dungeon. The Apostle Paul wanting to depart. All of these attacks are true. And the enemy absolutely does mean it for evil. But the greater truth is that God intends it for good. Yes, after all of that and after, after Jesus was questioned and, and tempted and pushed three times, Luke 4, 13 and 14 says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned weak. Huh? What's it say? What was the greater truth? That after all the negativity of the wilderness, he returned in the power of the Spirit. The greater truth that the devil doesn't want you to know is that you are going to be greater and have greater power after the wilderness is over. You got to hear this preacher right now. You're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out with greater vision. You're going to come out with more anointing. You're going to come out with more power. And God is going to validate and affirm your identity. Woo! Can we clap our hands to him and give him praise? Nothing you've been through and no wilderness is going to rob you of the power that's coming to you when this wilderness is over. I know you're questioning. I know you're doubting. I know you're wondering. I know you're misunderstanding right now. It's all part of the process. And there's a greater truth. And that greater truth is that there's coming a new dimension of power and anointing. In the same chapter, Jesus said, this is what he said. Listen, listen. He had to preach after all that. He had to preach after all that wilderness stuff. I'm wondering, am I really the son of God? And he said, well, did he think of all of that? I don't know if he thought all of that. I just know that he was tempted on all points like as we, yet without sin. So if there's self-doubt and question in his complete humanity, 
perhaps he did think about all of those things so that he could empathize with us when we're going through it. It's a summation. But this is what I know, is that he walked into the temple and he picked up the word, picked up the scroll of Isaiah, and he opened it up. He said, I just got to get to church. I just got to get to the house of God. I'm not going to let my wilderness keep me from getting to the house of God. I'm not going to let my wilderness keep me from the word of the Lord. He knew where to go, and this is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And sometimes that's all we need to hear. Sometimes before, before any ministry. See, he goes into ministry after that. Don't try ministry without the Spirit of the Lord. You don't want to try something in the ministry without the anointing of God. We need the anointing of God and the Spirit. And sometimes we need you to park right there and say, you know what, God, I don't really want to think about ministry right now. I just want to be in your presence. I just need your Spirit to come all over me right now. And I need you to wash every thought out of my mind because if I can get there, then I'm going to be renewed and revived to have a ministry after this. Can I get some help in this place right now? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Listen, there's going to be a renewed compassion that comes over you. The greater truth is, God, they intended for evil, but God intended for good to save many lives. That was true in Joseph's life, also true in Jesus' life. He came through, the devil intended it for evil, but God said, God said, I'm coming in humanity. He said, I've come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Could there be a brand new ministry? The greater truth is that God can birth a brand new ministry in your life. That you begin to heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. And, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Elijah leaves the state of depression with a new vision, new anointings, new confidence that it's not as bad as you imagined when you were in your state of depression. Never forget it. It's been one of the greatest little one-liners that I've kept as a pastor. Years ago, years ago, we were at Midway. We just made the transition, and I was, I was in over my head. I was feeling, I was struggling. I mean, like I was, I was ready to go sell shoes. <laughs> hush puppies. Some of y'all don't even know what hush puppies are. Not the, not the food that you eat. <laughs> the shoes that you would wear. And man, this preaching, this pastoring stuff. There's like one man that pastored for a little bit, and then he just he packed up and said, he, he started evangelizing the rest of his life. He said, I'll evangelize that pastoring stuff. I don't want to ever do that stuff again. <laughs> and I was dragging my chin one day in the foyer of Midway. Walked over to the water fountain. It was on a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday night. And I was out there, but Vincent was opening up church doors. I was out there helping him open up the church doors. And I was expressing my heart, and, you know, just, you know, Papa, I don't, I don't want to foul things. Uh, just, just, just normal ministry talk. He said, Carl, listen. He said, it's never as good as you think it is. And it's never as bad as you think it is. Just stay even. Just stay consistent. 
And, and I'm telling you, that was what, in my early 30s, and I'm, as my pastor used to say, 50, none of your business. <laughs> and that little statement, I cannot tell you how many times I have said it to myself, McLaughlin, dude, chill out. It's not as bad as you think it is. And then when things are really going well, come on back down. It's not as good as you think it is. If you think it's that good, you might start taking credit for it. And you get inflated with your personal pride and ego, so just come on back down to reality. This is what's happening, the greater truth. Elijah leaves that state of depression. And he looked back and it's like, man, I can't believe I was thinking like that. Anybody ever been there before? You get, you get on the other side of it and you look back over it and you're like, I'm about to lose my mind. I thought I was about to have a nervous breakdown. I thought I was about to just collapse under it all back there. Can't believe how I was thinking. Pretty normal. Pretty normal stuff. Especially when you're dealing with satanic spirits. They don't want you going forward. And so the Lord speaks to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 15. And the Lord said unto him, this is after. This is the greater truth. Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, here's new anointing. What he's saying is, man, don't, don't, don't try this at home. Go get some help. Anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that he that escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu is going to slay. And he that escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha is going to slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. When he was back here, he was saying, I alone have stood for you. I'm all alone and it's enough. I can't take it anymore. All of the while. God had these men he was going to anoint to give him help. All of the while, he had 7,000. They said, look, I've got your back, Elijah. Amen. When you start going back into that, that nosedive, remember there's 7,000 on your side. The greater truth is that you're never alone. The greater truth is we're better together, Calvary. The greater truth is, yes, you may go through those depressing moments, and it's very real, and it's very trying, but you stay in there because there's a greater truth that God will anoint you again, but he'll also anoint other people around you to help you, to pick you up, and to get you through these trying times. You can remain standing and stand together. truth is Jezebel did not want Elijah getting back up and she wanted to silence God's voice by discouraging the prophet if I can discourage the prophet and if I can discourage him and keep him into that cave of depression and I can keep the prophetic voice from going out into the nation of Israel to let them know who they really are and they're going to make it through this time. The greater truth is that her spirit 
would lead to something God intended for his kingdom. New anointings on new people in the kingdom. Renewed unity to cover each other's backs. And 7,000 strong who love the truth and have not bowed their knee to Baal. The truth is that Joseph's brothers meant it for evil when they sold Joseph to the Midianites. The greater truth is that if he would not have been sold, Joseph would have never gone to Egypt. If Joseph never went to Egypt, he would never have been sold to Potiphar. If Joseph was never sold to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife would have never falsely accused him of rape. If Potiphar's wife never falsely accused Joseph of rape, then Joseph would have never been put in prison. If Joseph was never put in prison, he would have never met the baker and the butler of Pharaoh. If Joseph never met the baker and butler of Pharaoh, he would have never interpreted their dreams. If Joseph never interpreted their dreams, he would have never interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. If Joseph never interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, he would have never become prime minister second in Egypt only to Pharaoh. If Joseph never became prime minister, he never would have wisely prepared for the terrible famine to come. If Joseph never wisely prepared for the terrible famine, then his family back in Canaan would have died in the famine. If Joseph's family back in Canaan had died in the famine, then the Messiah could, have not, could not have come from a dead family. If Jesus never came, then we all would be dead in our sins and without hope in the world. The truth is they meant it for evil, but the greater truth is that God intended it for good. Somebody give him praise. What you're going through, Jesus is coming through it all. God, the greater truth is that Jesus will manifest himself through all of it. I'm asking somebody to step out today. I'm asking somebody that's going through the trial of your life. Somebody that's believed the evil is going to stop you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You've got to make up your mind there's a greater truth. And I am going to embrace this greater truth right now. Thank you so much for listening to the Upper Room Podcast. If you want to stay connected with the church and the podcast, don't forget to visit our website at calvaryulis.org. That's calvaryulis.org. We have ways to give to different ministries, and we have ways to for you to discover what ministries we have available at Calvary Pentecostal Church. It also has our address on there. So if you're in the area, if you're in the Dallas, Fort Worth, Ulyss area, come visit us. We would love to have you. Sundays at 3.30, 2 o'clock is our classes. We'd love for you to be our guest. And Wednesday nights, come join us 7 o'clock for prayer, 7.30 for main service. If you have social media and if you want to stay connected, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Facebook at Calvary Pentecostal Church or Instagram at Calvary Ulyss. We cannot wait to connect with you guys there. Reach out if you have any questions about the podcast or the church. Thank you guys so much and we'll see you guys next time.